you remember the good old days when all you had to worry about was getting your homework done and getting home before curfew? Before you had to worry about jobs, projects, working, when you could long for a summer vacation and a winter break? Well, this is the podcast for when you realize that life can be hard. Hold on one moment. <sighs> Finally, he's gone. The last thing I need to hear is him plugging another podcast. Come take a listen to my show, Adulting Ain't Easy, every other Wednesday on the Journey into Comics Network. The following, the following is a Journey into Comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. You're listening to Poor Entertainment. With your host, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Andrew Poor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Poor Entertainment. Yes, the show about entertainment things going on in that particular side of the news world. I am your host, Andrew Poor, and I want to thank you guys for checking me out here again. It's been... A little weird lately, I've just been kind of thinking about some things I want to do with the show and where the future is going to take me, and um, as the year kind of winds down, there's definitely some plans in the future to see where um, my two shows that I do um, solo are going to move in 2019, so definitely stay tuned for that, but you're here to listen to some entertainment news, and I'm here to bring it to you today. Now, first thing, um, before I really get into the entertainment news, is I want to... um, just offer my condolences. Um, if anyone remembers back on the Porapore, um, towards the end of that series run, uh, I did a uh, personal tribute. Uh, did like a series on people, and I did one on uh, Barbara Bush. And then I said like it's not too common for uh, a spouse not to live much past um, the loss of a, of their spouse. And that person, that being George W. Bush, and unfortunately, uh, George W. Bush has passed at uh, becoming the uh, oldest living president. So, uh, definitely went off my condolences to his family, regardless of your political views and how you felt, you know, things um, or anything with the Bush administration or how his son handled everything in his terms. But we heard off our condolences, and with that, I will kind of jump out of that political news sphere and back into the entertainment news and kind of keeping on the same somberish tone. It involves uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who you don't know. Uh, it recently came out, there has been some uh, sexual misconduct allegations uh, by three women. Um, this is uh, an article from NBC News. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson denies misconduct allegations as Fox and Nat Geo review claims. Uh, famed astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson disputed sexual misconduct allegations made against him by three women after the, the broadcast of his show, Cosmos, a space-time odyssey, said they were reviewing the claims. Accusations can damage our reputation and marriage, sometimes irreversibly. Tyson wrote a lengthy post on Facebook that was in the three allegations Saturday evening. I assume I was a loving husband and a public servant, a scientist and educator who served as the will of the public. On Friday, Cosmos broadcasters, Fox Broadcasting Company, and National Geographic said in a statement they had only just become aware of the recent allegations against Neil deGrasse Tyson. We take these matters seriously in reviewing the recent report, they added. The allegations were first reported by the website Pathios, 
which features writing on faith and spirituality. The site last month detailed claims by three men who accused Tyson of misconduct, unwanted sexual advances, and assault. NBC News has not independently verified the allegations. Tyson said in a statement he welcomed the investigation by Fox and National Geographic. The producer of Cosmo said in a statement they are committed to a thorough investigation of this matter. Caitlin N. Allers, an associate professor of physics and astronomy at Bucknell University in Pennsylvania, told Pathless in a report published Thursday that Tyson allegedly grabbed her arm while looking at a tattoo she has of the solar system and reached into her dress while looking for the dwarf planet Pluto. The incident allegedly took place in an after-party for an American Astronomical Society event in 2009. Allers said that while the experience was not an assault, it showed Tyson was capable of creepy behavior, according to Pathios. My experience with him is... He's not someone who has a great respect for female bodily autonomy, she said, according to Pathios. Alice Furman emailed NBC News the details of the encounter reported in Pathios. She said her hope is coming forward with was that the allegations against Tyson would be investigated, particularly those of the other two women accusing him, who lives careers have been so very impacted. In his statement, Tyson said he had a professional history with the demotion of Pluto, which had occurred officially just three years earlier. And while I don't just remember searching for Pluto at the top of her shoulder, it is surely something I would have done in that situation, he said. It was reported that I was reported to have, quote, groped her by searching up her dress when this was simply a search under the covered part of her shoulder of the sleeveless dress. Tyson said he had only just learned that she found this behavior, quote-unquote, creepy. That was never my intent, and I'm deeply sorry to have made her feel that way, he said. Second accuser, Ashley Watson, told Pathios that she quit her job as Tyson's assistant this summer because of alleged unwanted sexual advances. Watson said Tyson invited her over to his apartment one evening to share a bottle of wine and unwind for a few hours. According to Pathios, Watson said she agreed to go for a glass of wine because she felt pressure to impress him, Pathios reported. Tyson allegedly told Watson that human beings need releases in life and asked if there were any releases she needed, according to Pathios. As she got up to leave, Tyson allegedly stopped her and said he wanted to show her a Native American handshake that he knew, Watson said, according to Pathios. The handshake hauled holding hands tightly and making eye contact and feeling for each other's pulse, according to Pathios. Tyson allegedly put his hand on her shoulder and said, I wanted to hug her, but if he did, he'd just want more, the website said. The incident led to Watson quitting her job, Pathios reported. While Tyson did not name any of the accusers in his statement, he described various interactions with a female production assistant in the summer of 2018, including inviting her for wine and cheese as a capstone of our friendship during the final week of shooting Cosmos. So the woman later told him she was creeped out by the evening and viewed it as an attempt to seduce her. Tyson said he did not touch her until he shook her hand as she was leaving, offering a Native American handshake he had learned. You extend your thumb forward during the handshake to feel the other person's vital spirit energy, the pulse, he said. I've never forgotten that handshake, and I, and I save it in appreciation of people with whom I've developed new friendships. Tyson said he apologized profusely to the production assistant at a meeting in his office that, in that she accepted the apology. I assured her that I had known that had I had known she was uncomfortable, I would have apologized on the spot, ending the evening and possibly reminding her of the other social gatherings that she could attend. He said, referring to a separate gathering of colleagues the same evening. She quit the day. She quit that day with a few days left of production of the show. He said. Tyson also said that at work, Watson frequently offered hugs at work, which Jackson said on a few occasions he clumsily declared, "If I hug you, I might just want more." My dentist expressed restrained but genuine affection. He said. Pathos had earlier published a report from another woman who said Tyson drugged and raped her in 1984 when they were both graduate students at the University of Texas at Austin in the 1980s. Tachia Ahmet had publicly accused Tyson of raping her in the past, saying that in 1984 Tyson allegedly gave her a glass of water while they were in his apartment, and the next thing she remembers is waking up naked in his bed. 
Amette had said on her website that she reported the alleged rape to police 30 years ago after it happened and, and has written about it, the alleged incident in the following years. Watson and Amette did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Tyson denied the allegation and said in his briefs, in his statement that during his time at a graduate school, he had a brief relationship with a fellow student. I remember being intimate only a few times, all at her apartment, but the chemistry wasn't there, he said. He said that more than 30 years later, she accused him of alleged rape as my visibly... He said that more than 30 years later, she had accused him of the alleged rape as my visibility level took another jump. Tyson added that according to the woman's blog post, the drug and rape allegations came from an assumption of what happened to her during a night that she cannot remember. It is as though a false memory had been implanted, which, because it never actually happened, had to be remembered as an evening she doesn't remember, he said. Tyson said he had previously declined to comment on the allegations on the grounds that serious accusations should not be educated to the press, but clearly I cannot continue to stay silent, he added. Uh, this is just a few excerpts from his statement going along with what was reported. If you want to read his full response, which I think is probably the most eloquent response of someone in this situation, and it's relatively prompt. Uh, as we've seen in recent um, memory, what happened... Now I'm spacing on his name. Uh, the guy who hosted Talking Dead. Uh, cannot believe I'm spacing on his name. But you've seen that his career, after he got pulled from the show and had to go through the whole investigation process you know he's brought back we haven't really seen much of him since um he was a lot in the public eye before that uh neil degrasse Tyson is very much a public figure it's this like saying bill nye he was on that same level in terms of people associating entertainment and science with a public figure so it looks like a lot of events can be misconstrued so we'll kind of see what these investigations bring but it looks like what he said seems like it's he's not necessarily at fault but in just these times if you have someone who works for you and you make suggestions even just to be friendly it can easily be misconstrued you don't know what's going on in someone's head or how they're actually reading the situation so it's really safe to practice caution in these situations especially when it's someone who is below you in terms of position so hopefully this smooths over and Neil Grass has continued doing what he's been doing and continue to teach um and teach all the his followers and the people on the shows that he's a part of and keep them interested in science. So we'll definitely have to see how that shakes up. And another bit of sad news, kind of moving away from that uh, to the another unfortunate passing, and that is of SpongeBob SquarePants creator Steven Hillenberg, um, who passed away uh, just recently. And kind of one of the results of that is that there's been a petition to have the Super Bowl. Um, in the wake of the passing of Swindler's Pants creator Steven Hillenberg, fans quickly sprung into action and created a petition calling for the National Football League to have an iconic SpongeBob song played at this year's coming Super Bowl. Sweet Victory, the song in question, is arguably the most memorable song to come from the iconic animated series, first appearing in a season 2 episode called Band Geeks. In Band Geeks, SpongeBob and company joined together to form a band to play a song titled Sweet Victory at the Bubble Bowl, Bikini Bottom's version of the NFL's championship game. We originally reported on this petition a few days ago when it had 30,000, and in just two days the petition had nearly reached its goal. As of this writing, the petition has over 496,000 signatures. And as I am recording this, uh, that has also since jumped and is now at 654,000 over 500. And it's ticking up 
one every couple seconds as I'm talking. So definitely allows a lot of interest. And as some of you know, uh, Stephen Hoover, the creator of Sunday's Prayer, has passed away recently, says Israel Kalunga, the organizer of the petition. The tribute to his legacy is contributions to a generation of children. And it truly showcased the greatness of this song we call for sweet victory to be performed at the halftime show. Hillenburg passed away earlier this week due to complications from ALS. He was 57. Nickelodeon remembered the creator in a heartfelt statement. We're incredibly saddened by the news that Stephen Hillenburg has passed away following his, a battle with ALS, Nickelodeon said in a statement. He was a beloved friend and longtime creative partner to everyone at Nickelodeon, and our hearts go out to his entire family. Steve imbued Swindled Squarepants with a unique sense of humor and innocence that has brought gen- joy to generations of kids and families everywhere. His utterly original characters in the work of in the world of Pinky Pond will long stand as a reminder of the value of optimism, friendship, and the limitless power of imagination. The date Sunday Squarepants has aired eleven seasons with twelfth scheduled for next year. Which is definitely an impressive feat. Um, I remember watching like SpongeBob and like Rocko's Modern Life, which is the show we also had a part in many, many, many years ago when I was just a, a just a kid watching Nickelodeon cartoons. So definitely shows that when you create something, its legacy can definitely outlive you, as we just saw with uh, Stan Lee just the on this past episode that or on this last episode of Porn Entertainment. But I think that's it for kind of the death and the gloom of what's been going on entertainment news and the world news. And moving into some movie news. And that involves a kind of a surprising headline. And that is that the movie Crazy Rich Asians has flopped at the Chinese box office. Hollywood summer hit Crazy Rich Asians, which will be lucky to score more than $1 million in its opening weekend in China. Afternoon Missions Friday had ranked the romantic comedy in fourth place, but by Friday evening it became apparent that mainstream Chinese audiences' interest was barely flickering for the movie, and on Saturday, exhibitors began ditching it in favor of other titles. Estimates from local sources suggest only an eighth-place finish for Crazy Witch Asians over the weekend, with a performance far beyond Chinese made a cool fish and still potent venom. Crazy Witch Asians earned about 410000 on Friday and 400000 on Saturday. Although the film was a groundbreaking hit in the U.S. because of its all-Asian cast, is Few stars of significance in China. Its release in the Middle Kingdom also comes several months after the rest of the world. As the extent of the film's disappointing performance at the box office became apparent, Chinese exhibitors reacted quickly, slashing the number of screenings per day about 32,000 on Friday to 18,700 on Saturday. A large number of potential mainland Chinese viewers have already uh, have already seen Crazy Rotation abroad or pirated online by this point. Others have been baffled by how what they see as a film full of Asian stereotypes could be celebrated as a coup for an on-screen Asian representation. The plot is passable, the quality of the production is also fine, but I still wanted a vomit a bit. One Chinese user wrote Sunday on major news platform Dubin, uh, D-O-U-B-A-N, where the film has a middling 6.2 out of 10 rating. Most are from people who saw the film months ago, so Chinese people in the eyes of Europeans and Americans are just about clans, extravagant snobbery, a blind sense of superiority, and sovereignly clinging to outdated rules and ideas. Another user dismissed it by saying it pandered to hot-button U.S. issues of ethnic identity and inclusion without depicting anything that felt recognizably Chinese to mainlanders. Well, I guess it keeps the Americans watching it happy. The film released in August in North America became a breakout, breakaway hit that scored $174 million. It also played strongly from September releases in much of the East Asia, including a $5 million haul in Singapore where the, much of the film is set. But after Warner Brothers struggled to have Crazy Rotation obtain a coveted revenue-sharing import slot for China, 
It was unclear whether the effort was going to make it was going to be worth it. This reduced ultra low ball benchmarks like Razor Jason's to Mama Here We Go Again, which launched in China in August and earned six hundred two thousand. Amy Schumer's I Feel Pretty, which was released in September and earned two hundred six thousand, turned out to be the right ones. Still getting a release in China was important for the producer's point of view. They aimed to shoot the sequel, Crazy Rich Girlfriend, at least partially in Shanghai and possibly as a co-production. I just thought that was interesting because definitely when you see a movie with a predominantly Asian cast released in China, you would presume it would do decent, but I guess what's something that's not novel, something that's unique for release in the U.S. markets is just kind of so-so over in China where it's like, yeah, I see all these these movies all the time. All Asian cast, that's what I have, that's probably 90% of the movies I see. I'd rather see Venom or I'd rather see another movie that has a more diverse cast in their opinion, maybe. I don't know. And kind of moving to, from movies to music, and this is a song that probably a lot of Malaysians could probably care less about, and that involves Ariana Grande's new song, Thank You Next, which released a music video which is a love letter to Mean Girls, Legally Blonde, and more comedies. Four days after teasing on a clip of the news video for her latest single, Thank You, Next, Ariana Grande has delivered in spades. Now it's finally here in all its early 2000s movie reference glory, complete with homages to classic romantic comedies and countless subtle nods to pop culture sprinkled throughout. Here are all the references we've spotted so far. The video opens with a Mean Girls-style montage of famous faces playing out the famous scenes from the movie in which high schoolers take turns bragging about copying Regina George and later... Katie Heron, a la the famous I saw Katie Heron wearing cargo pants and flip-flops, so I went out and bought cargo pants and flip-flops. YouTuber Colleen Ballinger, who plays Miranda Sings, boasts, I heard that Ariana was pregnant, so I got pregnant so we could get pregnant, be pregnant at the same time. Three minutes later, the original Army Pants and Flip-Flops actress Stephanie Drummond says, Ariana broke off an engagement, so I found a guy to propose to me, and I broke off an engagement. Jonathan Bennett, the original Aaron Samuels, and pop artist Troy Sivan both make appearances, followed by a joint... Grande slash Mean Girls reference made to Grande and Pete Davidson's matching H2GKMO tattoos when YouTuber Gabi DiMartino says, Ariana says, honest to God, knock me out, so I decided to punch myself in the face. It was awesome. The next thing reveals some juicy details in the form of Grande's own burn book. There are pages for each of Grande's ex-boyfriends, including Big Sean, Ricky Alvarez, and Pete Davidson's. Davidson's page reads, sorry I dipped, I love you always, except... For the late Mac Miller, who is mercifully left out of the burn book, presumably as a sign of respect. Reenacting the Santa's Helper's talent show dance, Chris Jenner plays Amy Poehler's cool mom, concentrating extremely hard on catching the whole dance on video. Grande's victorious co-star, Elizabeth Giles, makes an appearance as the Katie Heron to Grande's Regina George as they march down the hallway. Um, Bring It On was another thing that was miming the famous bathroom scene. Another victorious co-star, Matt Bennett, no relation to Jonathan Bennett, plays the Cliff Pantone to Grande's Torrent Shipman. Ballinger makes a crossover from the Bean Girls universe to the Bring It On universe as a pregnant cheerleader wearing a uniform that says T-U-N, a nod to the song's title. And of course, there are Clovers and Toros having it out. Um, next reference was for 13 Go On 30. Next, uh, Grande embodies Jennifer Garner's character from 13 Go On 30. Expertly singing the songs when I walk down the aisle holding hands with my mom aligned with the moment when Jenna walks away in tears from Maddie's wedding, holding the dollhouse he made her. With a flurry of wishing dust which transported her to another universe, which is the Legally Blonde one. Uh, this time Grande plays Elle Woods, complete with one of her seven dogs, Tulos, Tulos, playing Bruiser. Grande also makes a 
Uh, Sabretra's political reference as she pursues a textbook titled Immigration and Refugee Policy. Jennifer Coolidge appears back in her original role as Paulette, chatting with Grande in the nail salon. A few references to the Pete Davidson Big D energy meme are made as Grande gossips to to the obvious oblivious Paulette. He was really cute and it was really big. Finally, the UPS guy steps in the front for the bend and snap lesson, though sadly not played by Bruce Thomas, with a patch on his uniform that reads BDE. Uh, with a final middle finger of the camera from Grande, Chris Jenner closes the video as the cool mom shouting, Thank you, next, bitch. Um, I really could care less about the song or really much of her music. I did watch the video because, like that other video that Drake did, that homecoming video where it kind of reassembled the cast of. Um, oh, I'm really spacing. It's been a. I'm running on very little sleep uh, today, so things are kind of slipping. It was um, that Canadian Degrassi. Because Drake played a character on Degrassi, and then so they brought a lot of that cast, including Jay and Silent Bob, played by Kevin Spith and Jason Mewes. So that was kind of fun. And this kind of also had some throwbacks to what was going on. I, I just like the nostalgia effect of some of these music videos, bringing things kind of full circle. So it was it wasn't bad. The song was kind of catchy. Not actually my music. I'm not going to listen to that music all the time. But that's kind of is what it is. And probably the last minute news, which probably had a lot of comic book fans really excited, well, excited by the announcement that the news was coming, not necessarily about the news itself. And that was that Hugh Jackman is going to star, is going to tour with songs from The Greatest Showman. So Hugh Jackman's going to, on a world tour, performing songs from The Greatest Showman. The next star will perform songs from Les Miserables and other Broadway shows accompanied by a live art orchestra. The Greatest Showman has become a worldwide phenomenon with a record-breaking soundtrack, despite lukewarm reviews. The tour will include four dates in the UK, Manchester, Birmingham, and London. Wolverine Star was nominated for an Oscar for his performance as Jean Valjean in the movie version of the musical Les Miserables. He won a Golden Globe for his performance and was also nominated for a Globe for his turn in The Greatest Showman. Jackman played Circus Impresario, P.T. Barnum in the musical film, which has songs by Tony and Oscar-winning songwriter duo Benj Pasek and Justin Paul. Uh, critics weren't keen on the film, but it's properly spread by word of mouth, with fans returning for repeat viewings and attending special sing-along screenings. The soundtrack has also broken records around the world. It was number one in the UK album charts for 11 weeks, in a row equaling Adele's record for her album 21. It was number one for 21 weeks in total, overtaking Saturday Night Fever to become the longest-running number one soundtrack since the 1960s. The main the music of the show is Jackman's first world tour. European shows include dates in Manchester, Paris, and Hamburg, while the US tour will take in cities including Detroit, Los Angeles, and New York. Jackman will also perform in Toronto. He will play Manchester Arena on 24th of May before Birmingham's Resort World's Arena on 27th of May. There will also be two dates at London's O2 Arena on the 2nd and 3rd of June. And any fun... Remember, I kind of shred this because it said, like, um... Hugh Jackman's going to make an announcement on, like, Good Morning America and reveal something, and... I know a lot of comic fans thinking like, oh, Hugh Jackman's bringing back Wolverine in some context, and everyone was really excited about that, but it's just him doing really the other side where really two sides you don't think would go together, which is Hugh Jackman as the superhero playing the Wolverine, and then Hugh Jackman as the musical singing actor. And you can also see him in his dramatic turns, like right now I think he's still on some screens in the front runner, which is a kind of a political drama, which I've been trying to see, but it's not playing any theaters really nearby, so it's proven tricky so but yeah that was really the big news i really want to talk about this week it's going to be a bit of a shorter episode like i said i'm kind of running 
on fumes. I was up pretty late working last night and then did a full day today, so I'm definitely um, a little worn out. But definitely big things are coming. Uh, you can check out tomorrow, as you're listening, will be uh, the season finale of Adulting It Easy, which is the show I do with Liz. This will be our last episode because the next few weeks is us just kind of getting everything together for the wedding, so definitely a lot going on there, but definitely want to make sure I got a show, um, so it'll be a good finale, and then there'll definitely be news to come when we're going to return in 2019, as well as where these shows are going to go, because obviously the last couple weeks of the month will also be uh, on traditional shows, as I'll probably be taking some leave uh, to prepare wedding stuff as well. But definitely keep your eye out, I'm going to definitely need to get better, um, that's why my news resolution is the for the podcasting side of my life would be uh, more active social media presence and plugging the shows and getting those out to you so new listeners can find it much as you guys are listening now will. So, But I think that'll do it for Poor Entertainment for this week. I'm Andrew Poor. Have a great week, guys.